0: Well, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Now listen, the cruise is just about to start. Let me fill you in on a few details if you've never been here before. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ. And it's our continuing prayer that we help you grow closer to Jesus every day. Now, you might be wondering why it's called Biblical Chili. You see, around this table, we have people from all walks of life, different histories, backgrounds, different futures. Even different religious views. But even with all these differences, that shouldn't hinder us from carrying on a conversation. And you stepped in at a good time, too. Because the chili crew is walking through the Bible from cover to cover. And right now, they're in the book of Exodus. Moses talking to a burning bush. Plagues. Exodus. Out of slavery. And the Ten Commandments. Woo! This gives me the collie while I was just thinking about it.
1: All right, we're going to be continuing on in Exodus chapter 34, uh, just so we can, uh, the story this far is Moses went up the mountain, God gave him the Ten Commandments, and a whole bunch of other instructions, by the way, a whole bunch of instructions for the last 14 chapters, 13 chapters or so. And now Moses came down the mountain in chapter 33, but then he ran into a riotous, revelry revel re, rev, group of israelites which were god's people uh that were doing what they wanted to do and doing what was right in their own eyes if you will they were worshiping a golden calf and so then moses threw down god's 10 commandments and broke them so god gave him 10 commandments out of stone sapphire stone that he carved with his own finger gave it to Moses, and so now we kind of continue the story on here after Moses broke the tablets, and Israel kind of suffered because several people died. So this is chapter 34, verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, Cut two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on these tablets the words which were on the first tablets which you broke. So be ready in the morning... And come on, come into the, oh wow, so he's got to make this, like this night he's got to make it. And come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me on the top of the mountain. And no man shall come with you and let no man be seen throughout all the mountain. Let neither flock nor herd feed before the mountains either. So he cut out the two tablets of stone, like the first ones. Then Moses rose early in the morning and went up Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. So he just went up. To the mountain and proclaim the name of the. So the Lord proclaimed His name. I was. I, I guess I wasn't expecting God to just be like, "Oh yeah." And then then I proclaim Then I proclaimed my name.
2: I think mine makes it sound more like it was Moses.
1: Oh, maybe I'm misunderstanding it.
2: Moses rose up early, like the mountain. The Lord commanded him, took the stone tablets in his hand. Then the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him. Like and stood there with him. So the Lord descended and stood there with Moses. <coughs> As he, Moses, called upon the name of the Lord.
1: I don't know. Well, no, I don't know. Because it says, now the Lord descended. So the subject here is the Lord. The Lord descended. Well, does your
2: not, does your not say, and stood there with him?
1: Let, let me Let me just keep reading. Maybe this will come together better. And the Lord passed before him, meaning Moses, and proclaimed the Lord... The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. What What do you guys think all that means, though? Forgiving iniquity, transgression, sin means... By no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. does that mean that the iniquity of the fathers follow the children or that God holds them accountable?
3: I don't think it's that. I think it's actually the father leads them to the as like the household, like in other different verses we've had. We've discussed where the the father, or the grandfather, is actually the spiritual leader in many households to actually take them on the right path and go about that way.
1: Okay, so you're saying, like, even if the fathers are leading the children in a whether positive or negative, yeah, kind of thing. Okay, okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that it's just the practical sense with how your how you are born and raised is like how you're most likely going to be so like if your father taught you one thing you're going to do the same thing so you're also going to be guilty and you're also going to be like then your kids are going to be guilty because they're going to do the same thing but like it says in ezekiel you know if a man turns from his wicked ways you know and turns to righteousness then all the wicked deeds will be forgotten even right. if it's like it makes it's like if you know the father is wicked but then the son is righteous the son won't be held accountable so it's it's not saying you're an amazing son, so you're just being punished because your father's iniquity. It's saying like, if you're your father's son, you know, it's like being the son of the like, you know, where the, uh, Jesus is scolding the Pharisees, saying you're just making children of the devil everywhere. I don't know, you're spreading that seed instead. You're either God's child or like a child of the light or a child of darkness. If you're spreading those seeds, like, then you're you're gonna be doing badly.
1: Right. That when you said that, it reminded me of that episode. I remember when Wayne said, that episode, he said, brood of vipers or something like that. And he goes, brood of vipers. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, right. Because that was another time when Jesus was like calling out the Pharisees and Sadducees, according to the actions they were doing. It got like Jesus was calling them out on it.
4: The parents will not pay for the sins of their children and the children will not pay for the sins of their parents in several places and throughout the bible so
2: but it's just if your parents are wicked then you know that's what you're growing up with and not that it's impossible for you to turn to
1: righteousness but
4: right this entire passage that we just read is about repentance
1: right okay so let me continue on then so so moses is here in verse eight So verse 8 says, So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Then he said, If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take take us as your inheritance." Now, the only reason I, I, I believe, the only reason he's asking this for God to come among them is because God, the chapter before, said, hey, we're leaving Mount Sinai. And by the way, I don't want to be with you. Moses set the tabernacle outside the tent or outside the, the company of, of Israel. And all that stuff happened in that last chapter where Moses was pleading to God for Israel because it, because of everything that Israel did, God, I believe God even called them. Didn't God call them a stiff-necked people? Yes, I believe He did. Uh,
4: didn't He? Wasn't that in thirty-three?
1: It was. It was the last chapter, the promise of God's
4: verse five. For the Lord had said unto Moses, Say unto the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume
1: thee. Right. Therefore. Yeah, you're right. So so in other words, Moses is like saying, yeah, yeah, okay, God, I know that we're stiff-necked, but, you know, even though we're stiff-necked people, can you still use us? Like, Can you still be with us? Uh, so verse 10, And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation, And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I am driving out from before you the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Take heed to yourself lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare in your midst. But you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images. For you shall worship no other god for the Lord, whose name is Jehovah. I'm sorry, whose name is Jealous. Whose name is Jealous? Did I read that right?
4: I don't know, but I want to go back to verse 10. Okay, yeah. All right, uh, the last sentence. Of the Lord, for it is a... What was it that you said? You said it was an awesome thing?
1: I'm sorry, what verse?
4: Verse 10. Very verse last, 10. Uh, and
1: behold, yes. I will make a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels, such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation, and all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you.
4: All right, so I got NLT and a King James Version here. Okay. Uh, The NLT says, of the Lord, the awesome power I will display for you. The King James Version is, all right, you ready for it? For it is a terrible thing that I will do with thee.
1: Now, it still makes sense. Because even, even, yeah, even when you, see like, if you say something like, you know, the, the the storm was terrible, you can't, terrible can mean beyond, like, beyond measurable, like, powerful type of thing. And even outside of that, it will be a terrible thing because these awesome things that God is talking about is not, it's not growing daisies and roses in the valley of the desert. It's usually jericho and <laughs> where jericho completely collapsed around them and those type of things like i would consider that awesome and terrible i mean am i am i off on this maybe <laughs> I, I don't know this I don't is what know. i'm asking <laughs> like i know they're not the same that's word. terribly
4: awesome i don't know
1: well i mean it would be terrible <laughs> not for israel it'd be terrible for them but It'd be awesome for both cuz it'd be like some amazing so it's kind thing. of
4: like spectating, I don't know, maybe some kind of skateboarder wiping out and you're like, "Oh, that's awesome." Or maybe it's like a race car driver going to a crash and you're like, "Oh, that's awesome."
1: You can you but can say terrible for them. Yeah, I was going to say you can say terrible in the same. <laughs> I don't know. Besides,
3: 1997, turn 3. 1997, I think it was Daytona 500.
1: What? Why was it that big that big wreck?
3: That was when Dale Hart Jr. died. I seen it on TikTok, I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get into racing. No, I know nothing. I know nothing. Outside of they turn left and turn left again.
4: Look, they're going around another... Going, they're going around again. Look, they're making <clears throat> another
1: leave turn.
3: They're just making left turns. Do they know how to use turn signal? <laughs> they're going left. <laughs> left again. <laughs>
1: So I don't know. I got. I would say it'd be it'd be very similar because it's gonna be a, a terrible thing that he's gonna do and and awesome things at the same time. I mean it, that's my opinion because it's the stuff that God's gonna do. Think about think about the stuff that he does. Okay, so like just start listing some miracles that you guys know in the stories. Like look at Samson. God did a terrible and an awesome thing with Samson. Samson was literally the strongest man alive ever
4: and he got to grow his hair out
1: right and he got to grow his hair out and look at like some of the other ones uh, like gideon he how many how big was the army a hundred thousand or something like that and gideon only went in with 300 men
4: the original 300 take that sparta
1: the original 300
4: we survived oh
1: man the devil really does steal everything i never put that together you didn't Come on! No! Oh man, I feel. That's I feel one of the like reasons why I now. watched
4: the movie. I was like, okay, I gotta see this.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you know how Spartan has has the three hundred? Okay. So the story in Gideon in, in the Book of Judges. It just kind of a quick quick story here. The the story of Gideon in the Book of Judges was a time when Israel was under, they they were basically slaves to uh, a foreign nation. Like the Canaanites. I'll just say Canaanites because that kind of encompasses everybody in Canaan. So the original Canaanites that were there were kind of enslaving them. Not, hey, you got to work in our factories and stuff, but more like their armies would just walk around and when they saw a village, they would raid it. And then they would leave the village. That kind of, they were enslaved to them. So, so like, Bar-Burian. Kind of, but like they... Israel didn't fight back because they didn't have what the technology and they didn't have the strength and the numbers that they had. So they, this armies, these armies could just send squadrons of a few hundred men and just go around to these cities because these cities, they never gave them enough time to like rebuild. So they would go around and anyway, basically the story starts with Gideon going like he's hiding in a wine press and he's, what is it called? Sheaving wheat or whatever it's called where you throw the wheat in the air to get the get the corn the corn kernels to flow away in the wind. And he's doing it hiding inside of a wine barrel, like the wine press, the giant wine press, because yeah. the Bible says he's hiding from these people, from the Canaanites. He did not want them to know that he had food because they would take it. That's the kind of oppression we're talking about in slavery. So they would work all year for food and then, oh, hey, you're six months later, the Philistines are coming by, right? Or the right. Canaanites. So anyway, what God did with, Gideon was crazy God said Gideon send word to all the tribes and bring all of the willing men that are willing to fight and then Gideon's like okay yeah brings everybody together and he had like I don't know a tremendous amount he had like 33,000 people yes great but their numbers like the other enemy had like 120,000 or something they they were still way outnumbered and so God's like no I don't need I don't I don't need that many people I don't need 30,000 and then so God goes, God tells Gideon, tell anyone who's scared that doesn't want to fight, they can go home. Thousands of people left. And they were down to like something like 10,000. And then God goes, God did another weird test. And they were down to like 1,000. And then finally God said, okay, I want the men. drinking
4: from the water with either right, your right, right. You know, mouth or your hands.
1: Yeah. So they, God goes, okay, bring them to the stream. Have them drink water from the stream. And Gideon's like okay and they they go from the stream and God says yeah if they if they drink this what was it if they drink with their hands they can stay but if they just you know plunge their mouth down in the water and start drinking out of the river
4: yeah they were considered like animals
1: yeah they were considered like animals so go home. And so then at the end Gideon had like 300 men and that's it. And then at the end all all they did to destroy the army was they put a torch inside of a pot And then they surrounded the entire army with 300 men. And then they screamed. Yeah, Midianites. Thank you. Midianites. And then they screamed, broke the torches, and blew trumpets. And the Bible says that God sent confusion into the camp and all the Midianites killed themselves.
4: Yeah, they literally attacked each other.
1: They literally, yeah, they literally attacked each other because of the confusion. Because, I mean, imagine if you were in a giant army and all of a sudden on the hilltops all the way around you, these lights and trumpets and everything was going off and nobody knew what was going on and they just killed each other. So they were just fighting each other.
3: It reminds me of like the old school CIA with Genghis Kong. Yeah. Because Genghis Kong actually ran around circling everything and then going smaller and smaller and smaller until there was really nothing left.
1: Yeah. But they did, that's the thing though I don't think they they lost a single man that day. It was just...
4: No, they, uh, I don't even think they picked up, I don't think they had to lift up their weapons.
1: Yeah, I think they just, nice. just kind of walked in and everyone was dead. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But anyway, I'm just, I'm just saying like those are some of the miracles, the awesome and terrible things that God yeah. is going to do and that he did. So I, I, I would say, my, my personal opinion is I would say that it, it could work for either way, but that's, that's a really good point to bring up. All right, so we're going to continue on in verse 14. For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. That's where I stopped. That's right. So, is he just referencing the worshiping other gods thing? I think he's just, that's, I think that's all he's doing. So he's saying you're not going to worship yeah, other gods. That's,
4: that's the first commandment.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, Okay, so verse 15, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they play the harlot with their gods, and make sacrifice to their gods, and one of them invites you, and you eat of his sacrifice, and you take of his daughters for your sons, and his daughters play the harlot with their gods, and make your son play the harlot with their gods. You shall. Like
4: Genesis 6.
1: Yeah. It does, because children
4: of God marry the children of men.
1: Yeah, it's because they were intermarrying with unbelievers, and they pulled them aside. Although I just I find it interesting that that Israel, even all the way back in Exodus, God commanded Israel when they goes into this new land that they're not to adopt the Canaanite ish uh, lifestyle, basically. This yeah culture. Yeah. Okay, so so verse verse 18, the feast of unleavened bread you shall keep. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread as I commanded you in the appropriate time. I'm sorry, in the appointed time of the month of Abib. I don't know. That's probably a month's name. For in the month of Abib, <laughs> you came out from Egypt. Sorry, I just don't know. Yeah. Is it Abib or Abiber? I think it's like Abib. Oh, Aviv, okay. Oh, it is, isn't it? I knew that. Why did I not know? Okay, never mind. Uh okay, so verse 19. <laughs> I knew that. I don't know. I don't know why. Um All that open the womb are mine, and every male firstborn among your livestock, whether ox or sheep, but the firstborn of the donkey, you shall redeem him. Then you shall break his neck, all the firstborn of your sons you shall redeem.
4: Aviv the latter part of March and the early part of April. Aviv? Yep. So right now. So we're talking about the Passover feast, basically. Yeah. So
1: yeah, actually, right now. Well, not the time. Not by the time this recording comes out. This recording is gonna come out at the like. <laughs> well. <laughs> Sorry, we'll it'll be it'll out be about oh, it's actually,
2: <laughs> Well, this year it's in a couple weeks, so we it can still be kind of close to it because it's um. It starts April fifteenth for
1: most people. Okay, okay. So a- actually, side note, that actually Easter, when it comes to Easter, Easter was actually a holiday that celebrated Estar, the the goddess Estar, or Esther, or Estar, or I don't know. There's a couple of different ways of pronouncing it.
4: worthwhile you go around laying eggs everywhere
1: because it was yeah, i think she was she was the goddess of fertility because it was springtime and i
4: forgot where the rabbit came from it, yeah. fertility rabbits are fertility was, symbol i think it was like those that's butterflies what butterflies no that's a that's a symbol for uh
1: fertility yeah it's uh, a different culture some though. other things
3: Oh wow!
1: Yeah, whenever I get butterflies in my stomach, that means I, I'm probably going to puke.
3: Now, do butterflies actually get butterflies in their stomach?
1: No, some uh in the Bay Worlds, butterflies is actually a
4: symbol for um, it, it's a mating symbol.
1: Butterflies? Me, oh man! Don't 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 change the culture, man. Because then they're then they're going to add butterflies to the.
3: That explains a lot of tattoos, though.
1: What?
4: Yep.
3: What? The butterfly. Never mind, Justin. No, okay. Never we're mind. gonna leave you All where right, you're. Just, like just, uh, we're,
1: we're just fly away, we'll, we'll tell you after. Uh... <laughs> after I grow up. <laughs> we'll talk about the birds and bees. Okay? <laughs> after, after I become a
0: big kid. And
2: yeah, this time of year, I'm always the uh, slightly in a rage of like driving around and seeing all these church signs like come to our Easter egg hunt and
1: like come get a picture at the
2: Easter Bunny yeah. or whatever. I Bye.
1: Mean, I, I get it, but at the same time it's they calculate the Passover very similarly to Esther. And that's how actually the church adopted it. Did you know that? Yeah, back in the early I don't I don't even know, like seven it was like seven hundred or four hundred AD or something like that when the Roman emperor Justinian or it was either Justinian or Constantine that he wanted to unify his nation and Christianity just became legalized and the the emperor was a Christian and stuff so they wanted to like unify it so they started mixing the pagan holidays with the Christian holidays. Alleged Christian. Yeah alleged Christian holidays so they started mixing these things together and they became Christian symbols. That's why Easter is actually technically a pagan holiday, but it it they it kind of correlated, sort of, with the Passover dates and the Passover celebration. So it kind of got mixed together in in this like amalgamated hodgepodge of a holiday.
2: Yeah, it's so ironic because like this part of Exodus, like right before it talks about unleavened bread and Passover, is right where it says. You know you go down and you tear their altars and you smash their pillars and cut down their ashram um and do not worship any other god for the lord your god was jealous um and I think it talks about yeah do not worship any other god for the lord yeah so it's like they're just saying that and then they're saying they're talking about unleavened bread you're gonna go into this land where there's lots of pagan things going on, lots of things that aren't of me. And like you guys came from a pagan land and you have all these traditions that aren't of me and you need to clean them out. Like unle- the Feast of Unleavened Bread is all about weeding out, cleaning out all the bad stuff so that you can welcome in all the good stuff to not play the harley with other gods. So you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days. You're supposed to eat unleavened bread because that represents, you know, the there's Passover. like the verse... Yeah, there's the verse in Corinthians that's like, let us celebrate the feast, you know, not with the leavened bread of malice and wickedness, but with the um, unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So like, you know, they understood that. Paul understood that the leavening represents something. So like here, yeah. <laughs> that's so, it, like, that's the...
1: <laughs> so this was, was supposed to be a time of spiritual spring cleaning kind of thing.
2: Yes, and it's it's crazy. Like, it's this time of year. I don't know about you guys. I don't know. You're men. so You're different. But I like <laughs> that urge to literally clean the house. You know, like I I pull things out that I never do. Like I pull out the bookshelves and I want to dust under them. Like I don't know. Mine's if the garage. The just That's why
1: so, right, it's called spring cleaning.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah <but> my, like... <laughs> mine's the
1: garage. I tear apart my garage usually this time of year.
2: I think I'm we have unpacking. that natural urge to do that. Like naturally we want, to, we want to do that in the spring. Like everything's new. Everything's being made new. So we're like, let's just clean out all these messes and start fresh. Like
4: and I get a my house every day. <laughs> my my tugs are shedding bad.
2: Yeah, mine too.
4: Three hours later, I'm like, I just vacuumed that spot. Now it looks like a pillow. Yep. Like they just shaved a <laughs> sheep right here.
2: <laughs> yeah, I have one of those too.
1: Constant. It's a good point, though, because even though like there is this this pagan, I, I I'll just use the word tradition. Some some like pagan tradition in it. Uh, I I get it. You know. Okay. Okay. You know. This is more like it's it's a you know thing for the kids. Okay. I get it. I'm with you. But if we understand its origins, like that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. Because I've even had I've even had kids ask me or or heard the question asked by kids. What do eggs have to do with like <laughs> Easter sunday what What does the bunny have to do? You know where's the bunny in the Bible? I've even heard some some children they 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 try to mix the story of the Easter Bunny and Jesus kind of together and and it's just it's this might be like coming out a little strong, but that is a perfect example of
2: people being punished for sin throughout generation to generation, because here we are teaching our children and bringing in these pagan traditions and in their minds, they're combining it with God and they're combining holy and unholy. And that's what they're growing up learning. Well, so and like, that's the thing. Yeah, what you just said. It's not just really... like their kids, this is their cue is fun. It's like, you're literally throwing your kids into the fire because you're teaching them when they're young and when they're learning, when it's the most important time of their life to be learning what's holy what's unholy what's good what's bad and you're mixing it up and like how are how are we supposed to grow up not super confused if this is what we're doing especially in a safe place of what is supposed to
1: be church i was confused though when i was a kid what'd you say (laughs) I said
4: I'm an adult and I'm still super confused. Right, I'm, I'm
1: just saying I was confused as a kid, and I, I finally, I, I, I got sick of it. I don't say I got sick of it, like when I was a young teenager, younger teenager, like 11, 12 years old, and I was like, forget this. And I, I just started reading through the Bible, and I'm like, I, I, am so sick of people explaining the same thing in many different ways, and I got I just got, I just got upset, and I said, I'm figuring it out for myself. And right. But no, and this is, it's a good point, Susanna, because. Just before this, it talks about that amalgamation, that mixing together of the, what did they, they use the word harlot and, and, you know, God's people. Like, don't, don't mix these two. And God gave no room for these, these pagan gods and, and so forth. He said, in, and in many cases, he said, you know what, just go into the town. Cause he said a lot of times he'll actually, God actually said, um, when you go there, I'm already going to drive them out before you. So when you get to that town, you burn everything and walk away. Just let it all melt, you know, because God knew that there were a lot of pagan practices and so forth there that, that Israel would get interested in. And that's actually what happened in the book of Judges.
4: Isn't this also the land where Bell el came from, I think? And I think Bel—isn't he the one, the original—I I think he might be the original Santa Claus because he had— he rode a chariot in the sky with goats. He, I don't know. And he was supposed to be able to see, like, every bad move you make or something like that. It was very weirdly like the Song of Santa Claus. I knew enough, Santa pout, was evil. Pout, pout, <laughs> yeah. He sees when you're sleeping and stuff like that. He had, like, one eye, kind of like Zeus. I don't know. I'd have to research that. Or is it something.
1: Odin? Kind of like Odin. Right. Oh, I got You yeah, know, Odin did have one eye, didn't he? Yeah, he did.
3: Oh and he did actually go round on goats. Odin? Yeah. He had goats. He did,
1: didn't he? he oh did. man. Wow. Oh Yeah, there's a there's And a... thanks
3: you guys for ruining Christmas for me. I didn't realize <laughs> that Easter was actually a known holiday before Christmas.
1: What, i don't Easter?
4: celebrate christmas like everybody else anymore but i still kind of celebrate it because it's this time with my family you know, right giving, and uh it is said that you know take what is good and leave the bad that is you know if i ever have children i won't tell them about santa i'm gonna have to tell them about santa claus because you're gonna learn about them but
1: <laughs> you can't go to a store <laughs> like, hey, man uh, without learning uh, about santa, santa claus does not
4: come here but i tell you what
1: <laughs> for for like two or three months you'd have to live in the basement like through all the way through November, all the way through December, all the way through January, because Christmas stuff is is, it's that's what that's about Christmas in adaptation?
4: July? Yeah, you know what I, people told me that a good form of my life, but they never explained it, and I just thought you know that maybe the birthday kind of coincided somehow, you know, and it was just like copycatting and whatever, and just everybody just decided to celebrate the same holidays on the same day
3: i wish people would actually celebrate the the real date of his actual coming christ yeah it's I, 25th I don't think anybody December. knows
1: when jesus came like his actual there's
4: what, date there's hints, but
1: yeah there's hints but like they we know the season and around where it could be but it is it was not yeah, December 25th, so. no, it
4: wasn't. we'll find out when we go to you know
1: we'll is that is that, that, that going to be your first question to god yeah. No. Why does he have to
4: ruin my
3: birthday?
1: My first question is be like, are you sure I belong here? Are you sure I belong here?
4: <laughs> Am I going to end up in heaven by accident somehow?
1: By accident? No, I don't like, think I'll be by here. accident. <laughs> Am I going to end up in heaven by accident somehow? I tripped and fell into a good <laughs> <Right. thing. laughs> I was good. I tripped and fell. Okay, so continuing on is the end of verse 20 says, And none shall appear before me empty-handed. Verse 21, Six days you shall work, but upon the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest time shall rest. And you shall observe the feast of the weeks, of the first fruits, of wheat, of wheat harvest, and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. Three times in the year, all your men shall appear before the Lord, the Lord God of Israel. For I will cast out the nations before you and enlarge your borders. Neither will any man covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God. Three times in the year. Wow, he said that several times. Uh, You shall... Not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leaven, nor shall the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover be left until morning. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Verse 27, then the Lord she- then the Lord said to Moses, write these words for according to the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor so he was up there again for 40 days and 40 nights. Bread he neither I ate nor bread nor drink. Nor drank water, and he wrote he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So he was out there for another forty days and forty nights. Wow!
4: Wait, did he write on these tables?
1: Yeah, it says that he and he. This was a capital H. This is so it's the lower. It's not Lord,
4: a capital H on King James version.
1: Okay, I, I'm sorry. My, mine is a he. Mine is a capital H, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant. Yeah, um, there's another there's another verse. I, I wish I knew where it was. Oh, I'd I'd have to look it up, but there's another verse that says, "and he wrote with, and God wrote again with His own fingers." Yeah, um, I
4: think that's a detrimony. Yeah, is it Leviticus or detrimony. Deuteronomy? Yeah,
1: it's it's. I think it's in Deuteronomy. Yeah, it's either Deuteronomy four or ten. Yeah, and it, talk, it talks about how they tend to It just reiterates everything that was said. Um, Because I remember this. Do you guys remember this part? You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Do you remember that? Yeah. From before? It was several episodes ago. Um, Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I still think about it. I don't want to think about it.
4: But doom, doom, doom. What is he thinking about? Stay tuned for chapter 35. (laughs) Biblical Chili.
1: (laughs) And next time on Biblical Chili. So yeah, I'm in verse... That's Exodus 23, 19, I believe. Give me the first fruits. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Yeah. God's just reiterating. What's the verse right before it? Same thing that says it here.
2: Like it's also talking about bringing the first fruits to God. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, the, all of verse 19 says the first... Of the, you will bring me the first of the first fruits of your land. You shall bring into my house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk.
2: Well, like how that's been explained to me is that giving the first of everything into the house of the Lord is, you know, how we're supposed to be giving to the poor and giving to the needy. Like where Jesus says, you know, any of these things you've done to them, you've done to me. So, right. you're supposed to be giving the best. And And the whole do not boil a goat in its mother's milk is do not take something that's meant to give life and like strangle with it. Right. So don't take something. If you're giving and giving, don't give it away. That's actually going to hurt someone. Give it away.
1: That's actually helping someone. Now it was so this is verse 29, by the way. Now it was so when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses hand when he came down from the mountain. That Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. Him meaning God. Verse 30. So when Aaron and the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. And they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them. And Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him. And Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and they gave him, um, and he gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went up in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came down. Or he, until he came out and he would come out and speak with the children of Israel or whatever he had been commanded. Whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, the skin of his face shone. Then Moses would put a veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. Wow. So the children of Israel could not even look at the face of a man who looked at God.
4: Talk about enlightenment.
1: That's literal. Like, that's literal and physical enlightenment right there. So often, we have these instances in our own, in our own lives where we don't even want to look upon the Lord. Because think about what Israel had just been through. They had just been through the calf incident and, and betraying God. They had just been through turning on God so many times before they even got to Mount Sinai. All of the instances of the miracles and so forth that they experienced at Mount, at, not Mount Sinai, at, in Egypt. And yet they, they, they cannot handle seeing God himself, God's glory, shining off of a man's face it was it was it was actually too much for them and i i would say so many times in our own lives we want to hide from god or hide or like put a veil over i i don't even know what it what it could be cuz there there could be somebody out somebody's it's going to be some something different for everybody like you know no god i want to do this so they'll put a veil or they'll mute god if you will cuz that's basically what israel was doing they were muting god's glory that was sup- supposed to be in the camp, and they're muting it with a veil because Moses was literally the voice of God. He was supposed to be, if if I could say this, he was supposed. To, Moses was supposed to be the Holy Spirit to these people. He was supposed to be the one that is that is pre- presenting the truth to these people at this time.
4: By definition, he was an angel. He was sent by God to give them a message.
1: Yeah, he he was to be that messenger.
4: He wasn't a share of them, but he was yeah. an angel
1: often often we try to mute the spirit from talking to us because this is the the leaders of israel saying saying hey moses we can't handle what you've just experienced uh goodbye you know (laughs) see ya so but yeah does anybody else have any last comments for the whole book the whole chapter 34 it's a pretty good pretty big chapter though okay Uh, i will go ahead and close out in a word of prayer Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening, Lord. We thank you for your holy word. Uh, I pray, Jesus, that you help this word to connect with those of us who are reading it and those of us who are listening uh, in a a powerful way, Jesus. This is is your message to a time today, Father. Uh, Please help us recognize when we're muting your voice in our own lives, when we're muting the Holy Spirit, uh, so that you can guide us and guide us better, Father. Uh, we love you so much, and we thank you in your heavenly name. Amen. Amen. Well, this has been Justin. This has been Sully.
4: This has been Antonio.
0: And this is it. All right, thanks for joining us, everybody. Goodbye. Ciao, ciao. Now listen, just because this is the end of the episode doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation. You can find Biblical Chili on almost any social media outlet. And if you're not a big fan of YouTube, just search for Biblical Chili anywhere and I'm sure you'll be able to find us. Or just go to biblicalchili.com. Now, until we meet again, remember be part of the conversation. Goodbye.
4: Am I going to have it by accident somehow? <laughs>
1: By accident?
0: No, I don't think it'll be by
1: it? accident, <laughs> Am I going to end up in heaven by accident somehow?
3: I tripped and fell into a good... <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I was good. I tripped and fell.
0: Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most of them probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations. You're one of the few. We love you.